Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... I don't got films, I got family. So... Who's got music in the background? Oh, one sec. Babe, can you turn it down a little bit? It's on level 11. <laughs> right, so turn cool. that bitch down to 8. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know for a fact 11 is as high as amps go. Are they laughing at me? <laughs> yeah, because we hear your <laughs> Scottish fucking jigs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so welcome back to Working Title Episode 18, where we watch The Last Picture Show, the black and white film from 1971. The uh, Notably, the tagline for this one is, nothing much has changed, and that's true at the start, middle, and end of this film. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. So, oh, what God. is The Last Picture Show? Well, it won Academy Awards. It's also garbage. Um, you might be wondering what's it about the answer is it doesn't matter in the past we've said a few times i think that you know maybe the movie wasn't all that satisfying while watching it but through our discussion we gained an appreciation for it i hope to god that you guys can talk me off the ledge on this one yeah let's see if we can fucking this film is about to be royally shit on let's see if we can get uh, a real like excavation to find some redeeming quality about this movie i would i would rather have watched the last movie they were watching in the film than this movie i want to watch the john wayne film anyway so what's this movie about it's about high school seniors cheating on each other but with, <laughs> without the flair of hbo or any kind of significant drama so we can get into the nitty-gritty and talk about what happens or doesn't happen in this movie who acts and who doesn't act but before I do that, let's introduce the people in the studio. Um, my name is Jack, and if I had to pick a soundtrack from one movie that would improve another, I would put the soundtrack from Pirates of the Caribbean on Titanic. You took a Titanic one? Fuck! God. That's very fitting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it does sound better. <laughs> I, God. I'm, I'm literally picturing that in my head. This sounds amazing. <laughs> it's a really good movie. Damn it. Now I have to completely change mine. You fuck. God damn it. <laughs> just, just say what you had. Say what you had. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Mike. I'm always next. Sorry. That's, that's my bad. Um, <clears throat> I would have taken... Um, I don't even know where my notes start anymore. Honestly, I just got to say one thing before we get going on this. Halfway through this film, I stopped taking notes, and I don't know where my notes begin and stop anymore. And I don't know, man. Like, I just... This film has burned our props. What's the prompt again? I wrote the prompt. prompt. It's your prompt. (laughs) Fuck. Soundtrack. What soundtrack would you put on what movie? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, the soundtrack that I put on another movie. I'd probably go with... um, so, for the movie that I think would make a better soundtrack than another movie, I would say um, Wild Wild West put on uh, John Wayne's True Grit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, Shane. 
All right, I was going to do Titanic soundtrack over Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, my submission is uh, the movie Frozen with the soundtrack from Hustle and Flow. (laughs) So, a little bit about the last picture show, an American drama film uh, by direction and co-written by Peter Bogdanovich, our favorite, uh, adapted from a novel, which is, you know, not uncommon for us. So this is a quote-unquote coming-of-age movie uh, starring... Is this, what it's, is this what it's like to come of age? My coming of age is a lot different. <laughs> yeah, so this, uh, yeah, there, there'll be things to say about that. But this one uh, starred Jeff Bridges, Timothy Bottoms. Jeff Bridges is probably the only person from this movie that uh, really is um, recognizable today. Um, it did also uh, have Randy Quaid as a bit part. So that's that's something. Um, yeah, and then uh, Sybil Shepard plays uh, the lead female role. And the reason I really want to highlight that is because this is the source of one of the only redeeming qualities of this movie, which is that Sybil Shepard wrote an autobiography that she named Sybil Disobedience. Ah, that's nice. Well played, Sybil. Yeah, Yeah, I had to dig deep for that, (laughs) that little, little tidbit, but... Which one was which one was Randy Quaid in this? He was the one that started the reactor. He played <laughs> Randy Quaid played Lester Marlowe, the one who uh took her to the pool party that that chump. No shit. I did not recognize him at all. This is before the alien abduction, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, who else is worth mentioning here. <laughs> All right, let's 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 get through this. Uh, so with that said, Mike, tell us what happens in this movie. Okay, so this is a, a town, I guess this is, it, this, is, this is what it's like to grow up in a small town, I guess. Like, I've never, I don't know. Like, this is just like, this is a town of terrible people. This is what this film is about. It's just, maybe they're not, maybe they're just bored. Like, this is just like... I don't know, like, so Sonny Crawford, like, he is the main character, and he's growing up in this small kind of rural town, um, you know, he was on the football team and whatever. It, it, we went into the introduction, like, everybody's cheating on each other, it, it's really just him getting out of this town, he hates it, and there's not a lot that really goes into this story other than um, what it's like to not want to be where you're at. Was Sonny Jeff Bridges or the other guy? No, Sonny was the Does other it? guy. Okay. Does it matter? So, <laughs> I, I mean, here, hereafter, they will be referred to as Jeff Bridges and the other guy. <laughs> Timothy I Bottoms. Know. I didn't even know it was Jeff Bridges. Like, like Shane actually told me before we started recording that Jeff Bridges was in this. And because it said it was made in 2014, that made no sense. Like, how could Jeff Bridges be in this? That is a note. Amazon, for some reason, lists this movie as a 2014 film. It is in no way, shape, or form a 2014 (laughs) film. Jeff Bridges is like 18 years old in this. You know, ironically, Jeff Bridges, of all people, was one of the only actors who spoke clearly in this film. And was actually enjoyable. I enjoyed Jeff Bridges on on film. No wonder why he 
his career took off after this. Why would this film kick off his career? I mean, he was enjoyable. He wasn't bad. You have to remember, Mike, that 1971 was a simpler time. (laughs) There weren't modern luxuries. Star Wars had yet to be invented. It was this or Fiddler on the Roof. And while we all agree Fiddler on the Roof is great, at some point you have to watch something else. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to plummet with my notes here. Uh, Just fucking hit us, man. This movie is is just our like grandparents version of angsty teen shows on network TV. Like, this was like a bizarro Friday Night Lights. Um, yes. Yes. That's a- <laughs> absolutely. This was Friday Night Lights if you had no taste for anything interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. It is Friday. This is 1971's Friday Night Lights. They are even a football team that suck. Clear eyes, so full what, hearts, can't lose. <laughs> what I want to say about this is the people who grew up on this, the people who watched this in 1971 and felt nostalgia for their teenage years in 1951 are the ones who decry the immoral choices of the youth today. (laughs) 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 Like this rivals HBO in terms of scandalous love affairs. I'm just going to roll through these real quick, fill in any gaps if I miss anything. But this is, these are the uh, tumultuous, promiscuous escapades of our heroic trio. So um, we start out with Dwayne, who, or sorry, Sonny, who tries to hook up with his girlfriend and she doesn't want to, so he breaks up. Uh, He later ends up having an affair with his gay basketball coaches. Uh, lonely, neglected wife who is, keep in mind, he's like 18 and she is, you know, what, 15, 20 years his senior? Anyway, his best friend is uh, dating this woman or this girl who uh, she states does not want to be a virgin anymore. And she runs off on this guy while still dating him to some nudist swimming party where she encounters another guy who uh, she wants to get with, who won't date her because she's a virgin. So she goes back to her boyfriend and tries to have sex with him, but he can't. And so she gets with uh, her mom's boyfriend and then gets with his, her old boyfriend's best friend. And uh, yeah, is there anything else? Oh, her mom is cheating on her dad. There's so much else. There's there's pedophilia. There's almost rape in this. There's taking a mentally handicapped kid and paying for a prostitute to have sex with them. Like... This is just not a good movie. You know, HBO has the decency to provide the bare bones of a plot. <laughs> I will say, though, the first scene where, like, there was nudity, I was not expecting that. I figured there would be insinuated, but not shown to the extent that this film goes. But this gets full, oh, yeah. like... This has full frontal in the first 20 minutes. Well, the funny part is, and I noticed the hypocrisy... I don't even know if it's hypocrisy is weird, but, like... They'll show full frontal nudity, but when they have sex, nobody moves. Like, it's just like a freeze, and they're like, oh, that's it. And I was like, that's Shane, this weird. was set in 1950. That's all they knew then. <laughs> that's all they... <laughs> it's, it's just, this movie makes you feel uncomfortable, but you, oh. you don't gain anything from being uncomfortable. It's just to be uncomfortable for 
the sake of it. You think you think this movie makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Go on Amazon and read the reviews. Oh no. It's a bunch of weird ass old men. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh no. So I actually tried really hard uh, to figure out why this movie should be on the list uh, while watching it. Um, and I feel like what they tried to do is they tried to make it authentic to the time and show that people during the 1950s were doing these promiscuous things, but films never showed it. And so I think maybe that's why it, it came up as a good movie. Is it kind of like as a film kind of showing its era was above its time, even though it was made after its time? Like, that's all I can come with. Like, that's the only conclusion I can get to of why this was considered good. Was it, like, showed that kind of stuff? I think you're fully on with the intent where they were going to make it look like one of those old-timey nostalgic movies, but they were going to approach it from, like, a modern way. Right. But, boy, you got to have a plot to follow. You can't just just make a porno, then, in black and white. Like, what the fuck was this? Jesus so- Christ. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich says, he, he quotes uh, Orson Welles. He says, Orson Welles says, every performance looks better in black and white. Now, not only That's can... because Orson Welles didn't have a fucking color camera. <laughs> yes. Not only can I not find any record of Orson Welles ever saying that, it's just fundamentally wrong. <laughs> if Orson Welles had a color camera, he would have been like, this is awesome. <laughs> every performance looks better in color. <laughs> God, so stupid. <laughs> well, so the other thing, go ahead, just go ahead. I don't even want to fuck it. I just, I want, I want to point out like that. Even the dialogue at at its core is just rough. <laughs> um, at one of the opening scenes, there's some like pointless conversation uh, that's completely insignificant, and it's, uh, I don't know who's like the father figure in the pool hall. I don't oh, even know his name. Richie the Sand Lion. lion. Oh, Sam the Lion. You're thinking of King Richard from Robin Hood, who's portrayed by a lion. <laughs> his, his name is Sam. Uh, this, this, this entire film. So going through all this shit, like the reason why let, we let's can't let, let let June finish. Let June finish. I know. Like I'm gonna let June finish, but I gotta say the reason why we don't know anybody's name is because this this film. I didn't know whose name was what until halfway through, and at the very end, I figured out whose names were whose. So it took an entire film of two hours to figure out who was who. Yes. All right, June. So, now that Mike will let you finish. So there's there's an opening scene that stuck out, and Sam is having a conversation with Sonny, I think, and uh, That's my point. he's like eating or something, and he's and he says like you know something something. And Sonny replies, oh, it could have been worse. And then Sam is like, what's that? And he replies, oh, it could have been worse. Like, why? Why did we need that? <laughs> it's it's just stupid shit like this that is just rough throughout the movie. The dialogue was absolute garbage. Well, that goes back to point number four in my notes. It says, what the fuck is anyone saying? <laughs> oh, they mumbled the entire thing. Yeah, oh my god. This movie. I I wonder what the book was like. I almost want to read the book just to see how far off the mark the director was. So the book does not even have a Wikipedia page. Oh, boy. Word. (laughs) Probably best. I'm just so confused how this movie is on the list or how it's so well-reviewed. Like, it's so bad. 
there's so many other films where like nothing happens or like about chill kids growing up in a small town that are so much better this this is like it just goes nowhere so like here's the thing that gets me this it's not bad the cinematography is not great but it's okay the actors are often okay the dialogue you know there's definitely a lot worse it's not that it's bad if it were actually outright bad i'd have something interesting to think about it <laughs> this it's so bad that we can't find anything bad about it this is it's, this is just nothing there's what is there to say nothing happens nothing is notable like at least if there was something bad enough to talk about then that would be interesting right like if yeah. we're talking about the room this this is just nothing so it's just 20 minutes of me sitting on my couch you brought up uh cinematography of which uh, uh of course i have a note about it um there have also been movies that we've watched in the past where I say something along the lines of, hey, this movie, you know, overall wasn't too great, but, like, the cinematography was good. Let me tell you, on the cinematography of this movie, I gained a new appreciation for the rule of thirds while watching this. If you ever want to feel deeply uncomfortable and awkward, just look at a montage of close-ups where the character is dead center on the screen. <laughs> it, it's it's it just makes you so uneasy. I can think of the 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 fucking pool hall scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to call this film vanilla because it's certainly not. But in all manner of execution, this was just vanilla, just straight down the middle of the plate. So it's nothing interesting. Are we on the consensus that we're like we're not going to delve into what little plot there was? I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, we can we can address bits and pieces as they come up, but okay. the, the plot of this movie is boy grows up, nothing happens, one boy goes to war. Everything okay. happens. Everything happens. Like, this whole town, like, everybody's just fucking each other. <laughs> so chlamydia Mike, should be a, a travesty here. <laughs> so, Mike, if you're not going <laughs> to if you're not going to do these, uh, the plot points in sections, um, <clears throat> if you guys don't mind, I'd like to reenact a portion of this movie. Oh, goody. Let's do this. No, all right. absolutely. Who should I play? Honestly, I'm telling you, like, right now, like, you guys all took over my plot because I, I don't want to even, <laughs> like, I have no interest in doing any of it. Okay. So, I would like to preface this reenactment with a disclaimer that I have not embellished nor altered these lines in either word or tone. <clears throat> Interior, pool hall, day. Deputy bursts in. Sheriff, we got some trouble. God damn you, Monroe, you made me scratch. <laughs> Sorry, Sheriff. Didn't mean to, but well, Johnny Clark's little girl kind of kidnapped said saw a preacher boy playing his car about two miles and going to drugstore. <laughs> well, what the hell? Maybe Joe Bob just giving right home. Oh, Jesus Christ. There is less tacky writing in dime store novels. <laughs> like, but that's you so fucking disturbing. <laughs> If you step out of the room and walk back in during this movie, it's like you're watching Saturday Night Live do an over-the-top parody clip show. Yeah, I can picture Bill Hader in this one right now. Well, the the funny part, too, about where you're going with that scene is you're like, oh, shit, this is going to be a big friction point, right? This, <laughs> they're going to, like, it's going to be a will-they-won't-they, they, like, maybe, like, a kill-to-kill-a-mockingbird situation, and nope. You, it's just like, yeah, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. 
You mean like a, a conclusion to an actual story where this story had five conclusions at the end and for 30 minutes they kept ending the movie and then suddenly it'd be a, a like transition to a new scene and then they would do something like really heavy again where you could end the movie again but they didn't they just transitioned to another scene and after 30 goddamn minutes we ended up on this fucking person being hit by a fucking truck like that was the ending but it wasn't the ending because we're gonna go one more scene and we're gonna watch something else after it there's why the fuck didn't this movie end after 30 fucking minutes there's so many ways they could have reached where sunny becomes sam the lion kind of thing yes that would have been better but they went the most roundabout way that is so makes uh let me interrupt you here uh roundabout very good word because what I saw as what could have been the climax of this movie is that uh, J- JC, is that her name? Civil yeah, Shepherd's character? Yeah. So JC and Sonny decide to, you know, impromptu get married and elope and run off to Oklahoma. So it's like, okay, like, you know, this is going somewhere. So they escape right across the border to Oklahoma and they get pulled over and then they drive back. That, it's like, yeah, just undo that. That that was it. <laughs> they get pulled over by a cop. And the guy says, we didn't do anything wrong. You can't just arrest us. And the cop says, I don't even know what your rights are. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for reading your rights? I don't fucking know. You're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> just just follow me. Oh, man. It's, you know, got, they, they so, flirted with having some kind of interesting moral at a few points and then just stopped giving a shit they just, 30 seconds later. I don't feel bad. So in the past, we've done podcasts where, like, we didn't explain the story very well. I don't feel bad not explaining what the fuck happened in this film because I don't know what the fuck happened in this film. So what I'll say to our audience is after these, you know, 20 odd minutes of our podcast, if you feel like it's not clear what happened in this movie, that's good because you found out that this movie is unclear in only 20 minutes instead of two hours. <laughs> I never thought a movie would make me go, you know what? I'll just watch Annie Hall again. <laughs> <laughs> At least Annie Hall had some redeeming values. I can't, I can't tell any redeeming other than, wow, Jeff Bridges was a good looking dude. Hey, did, uh, did Sam the Lion die? Yes, yeah. of a stroke. Okay. While well, they're in I, Mexico. <laughs> off screen. I, I, I literally looked up from my phone, and then the, they were, there was a casket being lowered in the ground. Well, that's, that's about how long it took. They left, came back, and he was Which dead. brings okay. me to a big point in this movie where they just assume by telling you that someone was important to this movie in town that you're now supposed to feel something. Like, Sam had very little screen time, and the time he did have, his character, I mean, he had that big thing where he was upset with the boys, but, like, there's not enough screen time or showing how important or any emotions to care about these, because, like, apparently the whole town cared about Sam the Lion, but I had never heard him called Sam the Lion until he was dead, and then now we're supposed to care about, it's just... Well, well, how about the fact that after he died, we figured out that he owned pretty much half the town. Like, after he died, he's like, they're going through his will. And, like, it wasn't even just was some random dude. Like, Sonny comes back, and he's and he goes up to some guy sleeping in his truck. 
And he's like, where is everybody? And at this point, I honestly thought it was going to be like some kind of like zombie situation. But it didn't go down that path, which was really disappointing. Oh, I it's know. It's just like some dude. And he's like, oh, Sam's dead. And like, yep, yeah, he's gone. But guess what? You got the pool hall and uh, so-and-so's got the cinema and this person's got the diner. Like, Sam owned half the fucking town. <laughs> like, and he looked like a, like a heroin addict. Like he was drinking like straight out of the bottle when he was at the very beginning of the movie. Oh my god, Mike, I want to watch that movie now. I want this movie to take a from dusk till dawn kind of turn, where like half the movie you're like, what the fuck? These teenagers just cheating on each other, everyone's fucking... And then like halfway through the movie, it's a zombie apocalypse movie. Like, it's just they get back and no one's in town except zombies. So that scene happened at an hour in, and the movie's two hours long, and I actually thought, like, again, this entire time I was watching, I was trying to figure out why this is on IMDB's top 250 list. And I thought it was going to be some kind of twist. Nope. And there was so much. Like, I guess the biggest conflict was, we're, I think we're supposed to feel that, like, Jeff Bridges and the other guy are, like, you know, best of friends and super close. But we never really get that feeling. So I think the big conflict was when uh, one of them sleeps with the other's girlfriend or whatever. And they get into a fight. And Jeff Bridges hits the other guy with a fucking bottle over like over his face mm-hmm. and the last scene is him like passed out on the ground bleeding from the eye and so you think like okay like that's that's a big deal like this dude's blind in one eye for the rest of his life no no next scene like bandages off it's all good <laughs> yeah this movie it just didn't feel like it could commit to anything there were interesting threads in there like shane mentioned if the story is about whatever the other one's name is sunny kind of becoming the next sound line <laughs> They they flirt with that idea when um, JC's mom tells him that she used to be involved with Sam the Lion, and it seemed it seemed like a, an interesting parallel. But no, no one gives a shit. Next scene, we're back to the same old doldrums of nothing. There's it just fails to launch any significant plot. There are thirty five things in this that could make an interesting movie there's also 35 characters that we're supposed to remember and why should we care about any of them there's just so many it's like i think i I could be wrong but is is the underlying plot jc trying to get laid so that she can then start a relationship the under (laughs) the underlying plot in this movie don't fucking grow up in a small town to your to your point june I had some like pretty serious questions about how JC was supposed to be a, a meaningful character at all <laughs> because she's inter- okay so this is her character arc right she's introduced as being in love and wanting to marry Dwayne her mom shows up and she's like well you need to go to college and she's like no I want to be here and marry Dwayne she's like well you her mom was pretty much like yeah you should fuck him so you realize like it's not that big of a deal and you'll get over it right anyway so she's still you know, ostensibly in love with Dwayne. Later on, some other dude invites her out to a party. Uh, while she's dating Dwayne, she ditches him at some Christmas dance, goes to this other party with this other guy, uh, where they all strip naked and swim in this pool, and falls in love with yet another person at this party, this rich kid, who won't get involved with her unless she's not a virgin. And she then makes it her motive to sleep with a bunch of people i guess <laughs> I, for love though <laughs> yeah but and she's also supposed to be like this uh, semi-conniving like shrew that but then also this girl next door type 
Yeah, and she's not really compellingly set up for any of these. She just no. She got is... she got the hunger. She got the fucking hunger. Like at that point where she's like, she goes and gets married to, to Sunny, and they're driving back, and she's like, I hope the cops don't pull us over. And Sunny's like, Wait, wh- why would the cops pull us over? And she's like, Well, I left the note to my parents. <laughs> and the cops pulled them over, and <laughs> like she's loving it. So no, I I think I just figured this movie out. Um, so. JC takes Dwayne to a motel uh, to have sex so that she can then start dating for real or something. <laughs> and and Dwayne is unable to get an erection. So what if this movie is so self-reflexive that it colloquially is never able to get an erection? <laughs> I can't get it up. <laughs> this is the erectile dysfunction of cinema? Yes. It's very smart. There's the title. <laughs> you know, if your movie lasts over four hours, you should see a doctor. <laughs> That's why Kill Bill was split into two volumes. Oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. So, I want to bring Sorry, up something ahead. about the, uh, so the nudity in this film that shows up all over the place. It, all right, we're it, ready to cut this, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's like the director couldn't decide if you wanted to make a Van Wilder film. Or if he wanted it to make you uncomfortable. Because, like, like the way the framing, like, the pool party. Normally, if you're talking... Because I thought it was going to be, like, she's uncomfortable and she's being peer pressured to do this, right? But the way it was, like, framed and filmed didn't make you uncomfortable. You're like, this should be, like, everyone staring and make you really, like, drive home that this is not right. But it's like it, it couldn't, and then everyone, you know what I mean? I I just couldn't. I can't logically explain where he, the technicality of how he did it. But I've seen films where they use nudity to make you the the viewer uncomfortable, which I think is what the director wanted. But they didn't. They kind of just like, oh look, tits. Oh look, like. On what website did you find these viewer these movies with nudity intended well. to make the viewer uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder what this movie would be like in the hands of a different director. Did it, Did Peter Bogdanovich ever make a different movie that did well? I want to see this made by Wes Anderson. That would be fun. That would be... Actually, that, like, that's just Rushmore, I think. <laughs> I, I just... So, unfortunately, there is another Bogdanovich movie on our list. It comes up later, and it is also intentionally filmed in black and white. What is it? So, Paper Moon. I think we're going to start another podcast where we just try to destroy Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Good. to Working Title, where we <laughs> review IMDb's top 248 movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I was reaching at this point to find some kind of substance. So I was, pick, I was picking and choosing every little part of what makes cinema great, right? And then I went to, I got to the, the soundtrack. Now... I, I really like Hank Williams and, and specifically the song Lovesick Blues, but not when it's played in every goddamn scene. <laughs> and, and and at the worst times, too. Like, let's talk about a song that, that fits lyrically, sure, but not musically, right? Like, the the way the scene is framed, like, you know, imagine you're, like, driving with the, this girl you're in love with, having a deep emotional conversation. It's invoking a lot of feeling, and then out of nowhere, I got a feeling called the blue. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? 
Yeah, I. It's like this movie is just failure to launch on every level. Erectile dysfunction on every scene, where there's something there. But it's a real limp dick of a film. <laughs> Jude's absolutely right, though. Like nothing, none of it fits. You're you're like, oh, okay, I. I get the song, you're listening to the lyrics, and you're like, okay, I see maybe how this fits. I I don't know. Much like the characters, this film ejaculates prematurely and then can't get it up later. <laughs> and we slap it in the face. Peter and... Bogdanovich has much to do about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that Peter Bogdanovich gets hit by a truck in the end. We're, we're really Ugh. reaching here. Anything else we want to say about this movie before we start talking about facts and critical reception and all that bullshit? I got nothing. Burn this film. You know, you you mentioned this earlier, Mike, uh, but but you're right. Like the bet. <laughs> okay, let me let me frame the scene. the The ending scene for some reason, uh, Jeff Bridges is now in the army. Um, Going to Korea. And yeah. And before he deploys, they are the 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 two are friends again, I guess, and they go to the theater uh, to see the the last picture show. Um, and we as the viewer get to see what they are watching. And honestly, that was the best part of the entire movie is when I got to enjoy thirty seconds of John Wayne in Red River. <laughs> I thought about that too. Good, good point. That's what I was saying. Like the the last film they watch, I'd rather watch that film than this film. Yeah. But no. Besides that, though, what I'm trying to say is that this was there was a lot more to the fact that they were purposefully trying to make this an oldie film, and that's the only thing that I'm taking away from it is that it felt like an oldie film. All right, Jack. Take us away from this piece of shit. So, uh, not to stir the pot, but this has maintained a 100% rating at Rotten Tomatoes based on reviews from 55 critics. Um, Yeah, it's uh, described as their consensus states, quote, making excellent use of its period and setting. Peter Bogdanovich's small town coming of age story is a sad but moving classic filled with impressive performances. Um. Christ. Yeah. So, kind of amusingly, uh, a few cities did attempt to ban it for the skinny dipping party scene. Um, I think that was uh, definitely not what people were expecting. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and Rapids Parish, Louisiana banned it, although it was overturned in Phoenix. Did this <clears throat> did this come out? So th- when did this movie come out? I know it was filmed in the nineteen seventies, but why does I why does it say you know twenty seven fourteen? Was it released? That, that's in just an Amazon. That was just an Amazon. Yeah, mistake. It was just, yeah. just it was a, a mistake. So it actually came yes. out in the seventies. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that makes more <laughs> sense because if twenty fourteen <laughs> got banned for a skinny Wait, scene, was your previous comment? thinking this was a 2014 film that captured the 70s well i've been, I've been saying this the entire time mike I this how was would jeff bridges be film. that fucking young <laughs> no, i just i was, said that i said that at the beginning of this fucking de-aged. podcast <laughs> this no this is a 1971 film portraying the 50s yes Shane, you gotta back me up i thought this was a 2014 movie god this movie would have earned a lot of kudos if if this was a movie about de-aging <laughs> oh my god 
<laughs> so we may as well talk about uh, how it did at the 1971 Academy Awards, the 44th Academy Awards. Uh, ooh, sorry, the 1972 Academy Awards. Um, this was actually nominated for Best Picture, for Best Director, um, and uh, Best Screenplay nominated for that as well. And actually won Best Supporting Actor and Actress uh, for uh, Ben Johnson, who is Sam the Lion, as well as uh, Cloris Leachman, who played Ruth Popper. Though it went up against in Best Picture and Best Director, uh, our movie we've reviewed recently, Fiddler on the Roof. So kind of interesting that this may be the first um, Oscar head-to-head of movies we've reviewed, uh, at least in short succession. Um, It'll probably surprise no one who we think should have won that. Um, Yeah, as it it did win... um, yeah, those two Oscars won a bunch of other awards. I will say that I think uh, the actress that played Ruth Popper wasn't bad. She she did a good job, but it's not like I noticed her perform. I didn't notice anyone's performances. Yeah. So naturally, uh, we you know review these in the order that IMDb has ranked them. However. We don't always agree with the order and position of movies. Um, If we were to go by the whims of the good people of IMBD, you might think that this is the best movie we've seen yet. Is it? There's Uh only one way to find out. And that's by turning it to our in-house reviewers who are going to rank it among the movies we've seen. Shane, where do you put this one? So this movie is exactly the reason that this podcast even started was because of terrible movies that get so hyped and we're told that are good that when you see them, no one agrees. And this movie, I don't even think should be on the list. I don't know if there's going to be another movie that I hate more than this one. And I thought I hated Annie Hall, but now I like Annie Hall because of this fucking movie (laughs) so i am going to put this obviously dead last i wish i could not even put it on the list i wish i could make this a top 249 but yep last for sure don't see this fucking film mike (laughs) shane you revealed us too soon (laughs) we still have a lot more movies ahead of us but yeah i agree 100 percent number one above bib fish watch this movie elevator to the fucking last (laughs) All right. Bottom bottom of the list. June? Oh, 100% dead last. Fuck you, Peter Bogdanovich, you draft-dodging son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish you would have gotten to Nam instead of made Look, this movie. <laughs> hey, all, all I'm saying is while Peter Bogdanovich was wasting Hollywood's time, Oliver Stone was in the trenches of Tainan Province as 2,500 Viet Cong descended on his position... <laughs> And after he got back, the world got to experience the movie Platoon. <laughs> but which one is the better coming of and age Which film? was in color. <laughs> oh. So, June, earlier on you mentioned that, you know, sometimes we come to this, uh, come to the recording with opinions that change as we talk about a movie. And i'll be honest i think my opinion has changed by this discussion i kind of came into this putting it um thinking this might slot in at 
maybe number 17, just above the killing second from last. But after discussion and talking about this, I don't feel like I can put it anywhere but dead last. Oh, yeah. The killing has a coherent plot and like beats. I don't this. I don't remember what the killing was about, but it was better than this. Yeah. So killing was Ocean's Eleven. Honestly, we (laughs) may have found the the anti big fish. Oh, yeah. The the little fish. (laughs) 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 So now we get to see what bottoms out after this bullshit. You know, until we saw her, this podcast was about finding the movie that would finally top Big Fish. Now this is the podcast about finding a movie worse (laughs) than the last picture show. (laughs) So contractually we're obligated to this last segment as a formality but do you recommend watching it shane no never never mike do you recommend watching it (laughs) you know what yeah (laughs) (laughs) go watch it go because i want you all to fucking see how terrible it was don't give peter bogdanovich money no okay how about this watch 30 minutes of it it's all you need just watch watch a trailer on YouTube. Yeah. That's I mean, my even better. Watch, watch a trailer on YouTube. I just don't want people to watch this and think like these guys aren't giving it justice. Yes, go watch it. <laughs> You'll agree with <laughs> everything watch we said. The John Wayne movie Red River <laughs> that is present for thirty seconds of this movie. That's my recommendation. June, do you recommend watching this? I wouldn't recommend this movie if it were the last picture show on Earth. Nice. Nice. All right. So anyway, thanks for joining us for this uh, this dive into the, the pits of the list. And we will see you next week when we review Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh. 1966. Interesting. All right. Bye. Fuck you, Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs>